KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Art Power is presenting Indian fusion band Red Bharat, mixing Indian bhangra rhythms, hip-hop, and funk music, March 23rd at the Epstein Family Amphitheater. Tickets and information about upcoming concerts and events at artpower.ucsd.edu. Good morning, I'm Debbie Cruz. It's Thursday, June 29th. The new state budget is funding programs to serve students and families. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. As the city of San Diego's homeless encampment ban is set to take effect soon, a new safe sleeping place is now open. It's a parking lot at the city's central operations yard at 20th and B Streets. It has 136 tents for up to two people each. Mayor Gloria held a news conference there yesterday. We have transformed this portion of this facility into a place where unsheltered residents can get off of our streets and our sidewalks out of our parks and canyons and be safe. Another 400-tent lot in Balboa Park is scheduled to open this fall. MTS minibus and access services are back up and running. Service resumed yesterday after a two-month work stoppage. An agreement was reached earlier this week between the company that operates the routes for MTS and the union that represents the drivers. MTS officials say there could be some missed minibus trips over the next day or two as the system recovers. The same can be said for the access system that serves disabled passengers. City crews yesterday finished installing new traffic calming measures in Pacific Beach after the project was briefly delayed. Diamond Street now has diverters at two intersections. Flexible posts and signage direct drivers to turn right while allowing pedestrians, cyclists, and emergency vehicles to pass through. The city had planned to install the project last week, but City Council member Joe LaCava asked for a delay after meeting with the project's opponents. He says the changes will improve safety and make PB more walkable and bikeable. School may be out for the summer, but a local teacher says there are many ways to incorporate learning over summer break. Even though it's summer for them to sit down and to be able to continue learning and to read every day, do math every single day. It's not just a nine-month um, thing that we do, it's, it's every day. Stay with us for that interview and more after the break. KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota Dealers whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota, let's go places. The California state budget is now signed into law and ready for the start of the new fiscal year on Saturday, July 1st. Education reporter M.G. Perez has more on the spending to support students and families. The 2023-24 state budget totals almost $311 billion. $108 billion of that will be spent on the education programs for students in TK through 12th grade. That includes new funding from Prop 28, paying for the arts in every California school. And $3.5 million is going to every county office of education to stock opioid reversal medication. 
The budget also limits the amount of fees parents must pay for subsidized child care. Alethea Argilis is executive director of San Diego First Five, which supports low-income families. With raising costs for housing and basic needs and gas and, you know, child care shouldn't be the afterthought, right? The health and safety and well-being of our little ones should be uh, top of mind. M.G. Perez, KPBS News. School's out, and it's summer break for most students in the county. But with summer break comes the summer slide. How can parents prevent or at least slow that learning loss over the summer? Green Elementary School TK and preschool teacher Sylvia Anderson has some ideas. She spoke with our producer and her former student, Emmeline Mohebi. Mrs. Anderson was my first grade teacher nearly 25 years ago. Mrs. Anderson, welcome to the San Diego News Now podcast. Thank you very much. It's so nice to be able to work with you again, Emmeline. Oh, likewise. I'm so glad to get to do this with you, too. So let's jump right in. Uh, Tell me a bit about what you usually see in terms of the summer slide in your classrooms come fall when students return and how that impacts your students. Well, it usually takes about a month for them to get back into the learning game. Um, It's very sad. It's unfortunate that a lot of students don't even pick up pencils or books over the summer break. And so we do a lot of review in the beginning and a lot of social-emotional learning after the pandemic, getting them ready to be back in class all day long. Um, It's kind of a grind for them. Right. So let's talk about preventing that learning loss. So I'm curious, do you as a teacher suggest summer school for your kids who may not necessarily be behind at the end of the school year? Not usually. Before the pandemic, only students that were below grade level were invited to go into summer schools. But since the pandemic, so this is the second year after that all students are invited to go into a summer school program. But that's not usually what I think is the best thing for students to do. Uh, Summer school is about six weeks long. And usually I don't recommend it for students. Okay, yeah, actually, I had a question about that, too. Um, So do you think that not giving students a break first summer from school could affect them in a negative way as well? I do. I believe that, you know, making sure that students are sleeping enough and not being on a schedule every day and that they're eating great, healthy foods that grow, exercising, you know, um, I think that that's focusing on that over the summer is very important. So more hands-on type learning without schedules. Um, Hopefully parents could take them to learn in museums or SeaWorld or the zoo or some of the great camps that we have here around in San Diego. Those are are excellent. Students are actually more engaged and more apt to be um, happy as, as a learner, as a lifelong learner, as opposed to more of what we do traditionally for nine months in school. Yeah. And so speaking of these other activities for parents to put their children in over the summer, um, so for many, cost is a concern as well. How can families find lower cost options to still be able to put their children in these activities over the summer? Oh, that's so tricky. Um, You just have to really research and do some soul searching. I just feel like children should spend a whole lot more time with their parents than they really do. And that's where they learn. They learn with their parents. They learn through music and through puppets and through maybe going 
to the beach and to just talking to your children. I feel like that's so important instead of putting them in, into a camp or into a summer school. But I understand everybody has to work. But we really, as a culture, have to focus on how much time we spend with our kids because parents are their first teachers. It's not the school teacher. It's not the summer school teacher. It's not the camp leader. It's the parents. And so um, that's a that's a very heavy question. Sure. Yeah. Thank you for that. You know, the school year wraps up. You as a teacher, what do you tell your students and their parents to do over the summer in terms of preventing learning loss? I know you just mentioned a few suggestions, but what more do you tell them as they go into their summer break? Well, I try to make it very concise. I've been teaching 32 years and I've been saying the same thing over and over. Uh, Spend time with your children, play outside and read every single day. Okay. And do you have any other suggestions to give for parents over the summer? Well, there is this one book that I like, and it's called uh, Bridge to Learning. And it's they have it for every grade. So for first to second grade, Bridge to Learning, second to third grade. And it kind of reviews what we've taught, the big ideas that we've taught over the school year. And then it gives you some activities to work in on the uh, for the next school year, too, some some of the activities that they'll learn in their next grade. So I like that because it just puts pencil to paper and it kind of, um, I remember doing it with my children as a mom and just making sure that school was always, not so much school learning was always a priority in our house. And even though it's summer for them to sit down and to be able to continue learning and to read every day, do math every single day. It's not just a nine month um, thing that we do, it's, it's every day. Well, I've been speaking with Sylvia Anderson, a universal transitional kindergarten and preschool teacher at Green Elementary. And again, she was my former first grade teacher. So Mrs. Anderson, thank you so much for joining me on the San Diego News Now podcast. Thank you very much for having me. And I'm so proud of you for growing up and doing something excellent and amazing and your love of it. Thank you so much, Mrs. Anderson. I definitely love to read and write from you. So thank you. And if you're a parent looking for news, information, and resources to help support you in this adventure we call parenting, our newsroom has a KPBS Parents Hub where you can find the story we just heard, plus more. You can check it out at kpbs.org slash parents. Residents only have until tomorrow to take a state survey that will determine how money will be spent to enable fast internet access to all Californians. Reporter Katie Heisen looked at why it matters. There is no fast internet in many rural areas and tribal lands. But there are also communities in the city, like Logan Heights, where it exists, but it's unaffordable. One in five homes there don't have it. I think that's probably one of our um, highest needs in our community. That's Katherine Johnson, branch manager of the Logan Heights Library. She says patrons come in to use the internet for basic needs, like job applications, homework, and paperwork for assistance programs and medical appointments. They can also borrow Wi-Fi hotspots to bring home. But there's a wait list. They are so popular. We have 99 hotspots at our location. And uh, we probably get, I would say, maybe six, seven calls a day asking if we have them available. More than 100,000 people in San Diego County lack fast, reliable Internet. 
That's according to a county analysis of census data. Most zip codes only have one or two fast internet providers. Not a lot of competition means higher prices. The survey, which is meant to help officials target barriers that underserved residents face to accessing the internet, is online. Katie Heisen, KPBS News. Coming up, Tijuana's Little League baseball team is fighting for a spot in the Little League World Series this summer. Una, dos, tres. We'll have that story and more just after the break. KPBS On Demand is supported by MaraCal Design and Remodeling, helping homeowners with their home remodeling needs. From ADUs to custom kitchen remodels and room additions, MaraCal Design and Remodeling designs and builds your dream home. Learn more at trustyourhometous.com. An all-star Tijuana baseball team is fighting for a spot in the Little League World Series in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. Border reporter Gustavo Solis visited the team as players prepared for their final qualifying tournament. Tijuana Municipal is a local institution. This little league has 144 teams, 1,800 players, a nine-acre complex filled with baseball diamonds and batting cages, even cross-training and sports psychologists. The league also has a proud history of producing major league baseball players. I can I can I can name a lot. It's uh, I, I said Ryan Gonzalez, uh, Alejandro Kirk, Jonathan Aranda, Oscar Robles. That's right. Padres legend Adrian Gonzalez played Little League right here in Tijuana. One of the fields is even named after him. Alberto Mejilla is the league president. He says it's common for kids in San Diego to play baseball south of the border. But you know what? We have a lot of people that cross the border every day just to come and play because they know the level that we play over here in the league is it's, it's awesome. This year's All-Star team features kids who have been playing together since they were three years old. The team dominated the regional tournament, allowing zero runs and scoring 37 on their way to the championship. The team behind us, they, they are a very good team. The, the coaches are super smart. They have a lot of experience. If this team wins the national tournament in Monterrey, they'll represent Mexico in the Little League World Series. Francisco Fimbres is the coach. He also coached the 2013 Little League team that made it all the way to the semifinal game against Japan. He says that returning to Williamsport would give Tijuana a second chance to win the World Series. Why does Tijuana produce so many good baseball players? Fimbres says that it's the local competition. There are almost 2,000 players in this league, and they all compete at a very high level. He also says there aren't any star players on this team. No big egos. The players practically grew up together. Fimbres says they're more like brothers than teammates. Se tratan como hermanos. La verdad, ellos están muy, muy bien acoplados. And that's one message that the players have really bought into. Here's their response when asked who the best player on the team is. All of us, says Jonathan Juarez. 
we are all one unit. Another player, Jorge Cota, watches the Williamsport tournament every year on TV. He says actually getting to play in it would be pretty awesome. As in San Diego, Little League in Tijuana is a family affair. Parents travel with the team. They come prepared to cheer. They bring drums and have multiple chants and songs ready to go. This is one of their favorites. Este la porra de Tijuana. Este la porra de Tijuana se mueve para allá, se mueve para acá. Este la porra de Tijuana. Miriam Gonzalez Perez is one of the team moms. Seeing just how hard the kids train inspires the parents to put in just as much effort, if not more. Vemos el esfuerzo que hacen los niños y como ellos le echan ganas, nosotros tenemos que echarle el doble de ganas. It's a sacrifice. Parents spend their entire weekends going to baseball tournaments. And traveling with the team isn't cheap. They set up a GoFundMe page to raise money to cover travel expenses. The national tournament begins July 1st. If they win that, Tijuana will represent Mexico in the Little League World Series in August. Una, dos, tres. Gustavo Solis, KPBS News. Nearly 10 months after being acquired by Sapporo, Stone Brewery in Escondido is ready to start releasing locally brewed Sapporo beers for the U.S. market. As North County reporter Alexander Wynn tells us, it involves making some big changes. When the Japanese beer giant was looking for another U.S.-based brewery to brew its beer, it was looking for one that had the capacity to quickly get the product onto the market. Stone Brewing Company met that requirement. When Sapporo was looking um, for a partner. They were looking for someone that could expand and brew Sapporo, but also a brand that they could help further develop. And so they fully embrace what Stone is, and we continue to innovate. Sean Monahan is the chief operating officer for Stone and Sapporo Brewing. He says while Stone had the capacity to start brewing Sapporo beer right away, there was still a learning curve to get the recipe just right. We did our first big brew, and I'll tell you, it failed. After nearly 10 months and several tries later, Stone is releasing the first batches of locally brewed Sapporo beer. You can find it at each of Stone's bistros under the experimental lager labels. Stone still needs to upgrade its facility to handle brewing both Sapporo and its own line of beers. And that means more jobs for the local economy. Stone is looking to hire more than 100 positions within the next six months. Alexander Wynn, KPPS News. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. Join us again tomorrow for the day's local news and some arts events worth checking out over the weekend. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening and have a great Thursday. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego, offering the online Master of Data Science program, shaping the next generation of data-driven problem solvers. Learn more about the online Master of Data Science program from UC San Diego at omds.ucsd.edu.